So 1 Timothy chapter 6, I'm going to read verses 11 through 16. And would you stand as I do so? First Timothy chapter six, beginning of verse 11. But as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, when he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the glory of the gospel and the wonder of the arrival of our Lord Jesus, the word become flesh. We thank you that we can consider the songs of the angels. We can consider the humility of the shepherds. The wonder of Mary and Joseph. And above all, we consider and meditate and think upon the glory of Christ. Lord, as we come to your word, would you grant us wonder? Humility, a stirring up to hear your voice. And so, Father, I pray that whatever proceeds from this mouth, there's not of you would fall to the floor and remain unheard. For the grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Lord Jesus, you said heaven and earth may pass away, but your word will never pass away. So, Lord, would you speak? God, above all, speak to us. Father in heaven, speak. Your children are listening. Have mercy in the name of Christ. Amen. You may be seated. The question I want to answer is one that you may not know you're asking. The question that I want to answer is one that you may not know that you're asking, but everyone is asking it. The question is, what is true life? How do you find true life? How do you live a true life? I'm sure I was kind of racking my brain and there's, there's like all these, you know, sometimes my brain is like a... Um, not a trash compactor. It's just full of stuff, you know? And so I'm kind of rummaging through the files in the back. I don't know how your brain works, but uh, and I was rummaging around in the back in there just thinking of uh, all these quotes, all these uh, cultural, societal references of individuals that, uh, that lived life, but they didn't really live a life. Now, there's a difference between 
respirating and living. There's a difference between your biological systems continuing to do their job and truly being alive. You get what I'm getting at? There's a difference between your brain, the neurons firing, your heart beating, your lungs doing their thing, your liver doing its thing, and your gallbladder, which is sometimes useful. Some people seem to not need it. Who knows? Like, there's a difference between all of your biological body living and then living a true, vibrant, authentic, abundant life. And perhaps you know Jesus' famous statement, right? The thief came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come so that you may have life and it abundantly, right? John 10, 10, right? Jesus came to give you abundant life. And my fear for us and for you today is that you settle for the biological systems, Because you've grown up in a world that tells you that what you can see, hear, taste, touch, smell is all there is. That you've grown up in a culture that tells you that only the material is of real substance. And I want to say to you, if that's the only thing that is of real substance to you, then you have never known true life. Because, dear one, you are made for more than your heart ticking away its beats until it ceases one day. You are made for true life. And the human predicament is that while we might think that we are able to reach out and grasp that life, that true, abundant, full, flourishing life is simply within the grasp of humanity. If I would just achieve my dreams, if I would realize, actualize who I am on the inside, then I would finally have true life. And the deadening reality is that that is not true. See, there is a a distinction between what we're calling your natural life, which is really important, right? It's important that God has given you life. He gives our text today, says God gives life to all things. The life that you have is a, if you will, it's on loan from the author of life. It is a gift from the author of life. But there's a distinction between this biological life and what we might call a spiritual life. A true, authentic, vibrant life. There is a division between the two because of Genesis chapter 3. Or better said, what happened in Genesis chapter 3? What's recorded in Genesis chapter 3? Do you guys remember Genesis 1? Anybody got Genesis 1? In the beginning? Okay, gold stars. Good job, guys. Christmas stars for all of you. God created the heavens and the earth. He creates everything. He creates Male and female, he creates them in his image. Chapter 2, we kind of zoom in on the creation of male and female. To God, how God did that, for what purpose he did that. And then we see the intention of God behind creation is that there would be something good and true and beautiful. In Genesis chapter 3, humanity did not continue that mission, but rather 
dropped the ball, rebelled against God, believed that in and of themselves they could have true life, Adam and Eve, right? Eve saw that the fruit looked good, that it was good for food, and it was going to make one wise, that make her independent from her dependency on God. This is always what sin tells you. This is, the, this is what sin sells you, that you can find happiness, you can find blessing, you can find fullness on your own apart from God, that you are not actually dependent upon God for life, and you're not actually dependent upon God for fullness and flourishing. That's always the lie at the root of sin. And so sin enters in this rebellion against God. Humanity in effect saying to God, I don't need you. We don't need you. We don't need you for life, which is stupid, right? You didn't, you didn't birth yourself, right? That would be kind of crazy. Uh, who's that MC Escher, right? Where it looks like the, draw, the staircase goes around and around. That's what, that, that's what pops in my head. How in the world is that work? You didn't birth yourself. You didn't choose where you would be. You didn't choose your eye color, hair color, height, right? Wish I was a little bit taller, right? There's there's a song there. For for those who know, you know. Um, All you 90s, 90s kids. Okay. We always say, this is is the lie of sin. We don't, I don't need you, God. I can, I can find it on my own. I can find it on my own. I'm going to. I'm going to live life my way. I'm going to you know, be like old blue eyes Frank Sinatra and just do it my way. And we think that that's the path. That that's the path to true life. And that, if I could say anything to you, if you get anything from this, right? That that's a lie. That that is not the path to true life. And if all you are doing is building yourself closer and closer and closer to the center of your own life, then you're moving yourself farther and farther away from true life. And this is a burden of this text. There's a lot of things that we could preach from this text or, or I could preach and you could receive from, from this text. Uh, but this chapter is bookended by this idea of taking hold of Life. At the beginning of verses 11 and 12, Paul gives his protege Timothy these three charges. You know, flee these things, pursue righteousness, fight the good fight of faith. And a part of that is take hold of the eternal life. Take hold of it. Epilembanomai. Take hold of it. It is a command that the apostle gives to Timothy. Lay hold of the eternal life. And you're thinking, Timothy's already a believer. He's already saved. So in effect, Paul is telling him, live out the reality of what you've been given in Jesus. Lay hold of it. That you have true life. And the true life is not in and of yourself. He doesn't say, actualize yourself. Realize your dreams. The secret's in your heart. Just follow your heart. And then the end of the chapter, in verse 19, where Paul is addressing the rich. He says to them, store up treasure for themselves as good foundation for the future so that they may take hold. Epilumbanomai. That they may take hold of that which is truly life. And so if we're just going to kind of put those two things next to each other and say maybe Paul is talking about the same thing. 
that eternal life and true life are synonymous in this passage. That eternal life and true life are the same thing. That coming to partake in the life of Jesus, recognizing that your sin separates you from God, the answer is not found within yourself, but it is found in the divine rescue mission of the Son of God who came to give you life. And you yield to Him. You take hold of the eternal life. That which is truly life. Would you have a full life? Would you know satisfaction? Would you know what it is to live abundantly right now? Yes, the Christian hope is eternal life. And eternal life is a life of forever duration with God. But the principle of life. Now listen to this. Here's the other thing I really want you to get. The answer is not in you. Right? The answer is in God. And the principle of life is God Himself. So that your experience of true life depends on your proximity to the principle of life. I'm going to unpack that because some of you are like, what did you just say? Your experience, your living out or, or you, you, you experiencing new life, right? Your rebirth, you need new life. And then you living out that new life in Jesus depends upon how close you are or how far away from it you are from the principle of life. Your experience, I'm saying this three different ways so that you, I hope you get it. Your, the, your experience of life, true life, abundant life, eternal life, is dependent upon how close you are to God. Life is in Him. He gives life to all things. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men, John 1.9. Your life, your experience of true, vital, real, abundant life depends on your proximity to Jesus. So the farther away from Christ you get, the less of life you know. So even if your heart is beating this morning, your neurons are firing across the synapses in your brain, your lungs are aspirating and respirating, you might not know true life because you are at distance from the God who made you. Because life doesn't depend upon biological function. Life depends upon nearness or distance from God. Listen to this quote from J. Gresham Machen. He said, life, according to the Bible, is not just existence. But it is existence in the presence and with the favor of God. Life is not just existence, but it's existence in the presence and with the favor of God. Those two things are really important. But hear the converse. Hear the opposite. If that's what life is, life is not biological function. It's living in the presence of God with the favor of God, with the grace of God. 
with the forgiveness of God, with the adoption of God, being declared righteous in Jesus, having new life with God, having new relationship with God. I'm unpacking that idea of favor in the presence of God. Because the only way that you, you enter into the presence of God is through Jesus. Right? Our text said that, that He dwells in verse 16. He dwells in unapproachable light. That you can't come to God on your terms. That He is altogether pure and holy and just and righteous. And sinful people cannot come to Him on our own terms. He has to come to us. We need the grace, the favor that is extended to us in Jesus. This is life. Existence in the presence and with the favor of God. But again, here's the converse. Death is not just the death of the body. But it is separation from God. And a doom that should fill the heart of man with a nameless dread. If you recalibrate your brain this morning by God's grace and say, my life depends not on whether my heart continues beating in the next hour or in the next decade. My life depends on whether I am living in the presence of God with the favor of God. That recalibrates your whole life. It reshapes your whole life. Then the main objective of your life, this is how it recalibrates your whole life. Then the main objective of your life is not simply to continue your biological function, which is a worthy goal. You should take care of your body. No, the new drive and the new focus of your life is to live in the presence of God with the favor of God. That you want to live in, in the... What in the Latin, the Corum Deo, you want to live before the face of God. Knowing that in Christ, not only are you before the face of God, which is unavoidable for every person. You are under his sight. You cannot avoid him. You can't run from him. But the goal of the Christian life, the goal of, of true abundant life experiencing this is that I live before the face of God and I know that today there is a smile on His face because I am found in Jesus. What other approval could you need? What other assurance could you need? What other provision could you need? What greater joy and what greater pleasure could we have but that the God of glory, the maker of the heavens and the earth, who dwells in unapproachable light, who alone has immortality, looks upon you and delights in you in Christ. There is found our abundant life. There is found life that is truly life. Life that is durable enough to undergo anything this world would have it, including physical death. Living in the presence of God with the favor of God. So here's the question to you. How close are you to Jesus? I mean that in a couple different ways, right? How close are you to Jesus? In the first sense, have you ever surrendered your life to him? 
Have you ever forsaken yourself saying, my dreams, my aspirations, my longings, that those are not the root source of my joy. I don't have satisfaction. And in fact, I have condemnation upon me. I am guilty before a holy God. And I need the favor and the grace of God in Christ. I need the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of my trespasses. I need Jesus. I confess that I am a sinner condemned. But God offers life to me in Jesus and I will take hold of it. Have you surrendered to Jesus? Is he your Lord, master? You're all in all. The second way I mean this is that while that can be the principle of the Christian life, you know, Christian, as well as I know, that your experience of that union to Jesus ebbs and flows. Your joy and your delight in the Word of God, the experience of God in prayer, the delighting to God when you're worshiping in song. If you're walking far from God, all of those things become. Eh. The Word doesn't open up to you like it used to, and you try to sing the song, but your mind runs a million different ways. And sometimes. Not always, but sometimes the cause of that is that you've lost your focus and you've started looking for life in other places. You're starting to look at, start to look for life in your job or in your family or in your physical fitness. Or some of you, you're at the age where it's like, what does my blood work say? You think I'm lying. I know. I know. What are my triglycerides? You know, it becomes like a quiz and you get anxious. All right. I'm, I've got to go in for blood work and I'm going to get all the and it's like, a, a, did you pass or did you fail? And you stake your identity there. Don't get me wrong. That stuff matters, right? Your free radicals and cholesterol and whatever else those letters mean. I just had my physical like first physical in like three years back in October. And I was like, I don't know what this is. Anyway. But you stake so much on, on that. And you begin to shift away from finding what is your only hope in life and death. That I am not my own, but I belong to God in Christ. God is the principle of life. So move toward him. This morning, if you would know abundant life, if you're thinking I'm dissatisfied with where my life is right now. The first place you should go is to Jesus. And then let him sort out your job, your family, your your wellness, your house, your neighborhood, whatever, whatever these other things that you think are the problem. Press towards Jesus. Press towards Jesus. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. Take hold of the life that is truly life and quit settling for counterfeits. Jesus is your life. Jesus is your all. Surrender to him today if you never have. Come to him and know that you can have abundant life. Christian, come to him and be revived. Be refreshed in this season. What greater season is it to be reawakened 
to the wonder of the good news of Jesus and start living in His presence with His favor. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your mercy. And we thank You for the extension of life to us. Would You draw us near that we would know true life today? That we would know true life, that is eternal life, abundant life, fullness and flourishing even now. That we would be people with a deeper contentment. No matter what is happening, the storm that rages around us, would we have the peace that you look on us in Christ. And if we are in Christ by grace through faith, then we are called friends of God. We are called sons and daughters of God. Would you grant us grace to delight in Jesus again? Lord, there are some here who have not. They've never known true life. They've never tasted and seen the goodness of God in Jesus. Would you awaken them today? Help them to see the barrenness of what they've been pursuing. It's empty blows away like the wind. Draw them to Christ. He is the only Savior. He is our life. Oh God, work in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.